morning, everyone. If I haven't had a chance to meet, I'm Joe and pastor here at City View Church, and it's good to join you in your homes as we, uh, as I gather in mine, as we uh, welcome in a new year. And uh, so instead of a normal service at church this morning, I'm just joining you from uh, my living room. Uh, Still got the Christmas tree up and uh, I hope that you've had a great Christmas. I want to spend a few moments just reflecting with you on a very traditional prayer, a prayer that um, uh, United Methodist or people who've uh, called Methodist have been uh, praying at the beginning of every year uh, for generations. It's a prayer written by uh, the founding of the Methodist tradition, uh, John Wesley, and it's a prayer that's really a prayer of surrender. And I'm going to offer this prayer and then share a few uh, ways that you can interact with the prayer yourself. So the prayer goes like this. I, I encourage you, if you're watching, or you're listening along, to kind of put yourself into a position that's comfortable. Take a couple of deep breaths and uh, we'll uh, uh, say this uh, prayer. And um, if you're watching uh, on, on Facebook or from our email or uh, on our church center, uh, you can, um, uh, you'll be able to find the prayer and a few links as well for you to be able to follow along if you feel so led. So let us pray. God, we come before you and we give you thanks that wherever we find ourselves this morning, this afternoon, this evening, that you are there with us. And if there's nowhere we can go that would separate us from your great love. So Lord, we come before you and we offer this prayer, a prayer that your people have been praying for generations. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made here on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. John Wesley uh, adapted this prayer from the Puritan tradition that was so important to his parents, Samuel and Susanna, and the life of the uh, uh, Epworth Rectory where they where they were part of it. It really uh, was a big part of informing his theology and his preaching. Um, and he expected people who called themselves Methodists to pray this at the beginning of each New Year as a way of reminding and uh, uh, renewing their baptismal covenant. What, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And uh, it describes our life as followers of Jesus who are engaged in mission. It's, it's practical in its description of what it means to lay aside our agendas and what we think should happen and how we should, you know, my life is, no, we lay it aside and say, I'm going to, my life is now about what, what God is interested in and the ways of God. It reminds me of a verse from Luke chapter 9, verse 23, where it says, if anyone wants to become my follower, Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking, the the person who we claim to follow, if anyone wants to become my follower, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so really this prayer is just a, a placeholder for the overarching witness of scripture to invite us to surrender all and to follow God 
into the unknown. Now, I want to share today a couple of ways you can respond to that prayer. And, and if you're like, man, I don't like that prayer at all, one of those ways includes that. So don't worry. But but there's four ways you can respond, and I'm just going to reflect on these very briefly. Um, the first way you can respond is you can see this prayer as a battle cry, you know, as a as a as a moment of decision where you're going to go out and do the impossible. Um, I really uh, resonate with the story of Thomas. Uh, Thomas is known as the doubter, but he's actually, I think, Thomas the courageous. There's this story that happens before Thomas doubted, where Jesus said, "We're going to go to Jerusalem," and they knew that going to Jerusalem would put them at odds with the religious leaders. That that that's where most of the people who hated Jesus lived, and uh, so they they knew that if they went to Jerusalem, it would would not go well for them that it would probably be uh it could end it, it could end their life and so there was great risk and jesus says no we're going to jerusalem anyways he he wouldn't listen to their warnings and so in john 11 chapter 16 it says then thomas also known as didymus said to the rest of the disciples let us also go that we may die with him you know uh which is such a bold and courageous thing to do it's that moment where all of your courage rises up and it's like we will do this um, it reminds me of one of Jesus's teachings around what it means to count the cost. He says in Luke 11, chapter 31, uh, chapter 11, verse 31, he says, what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able uh, with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. So it's the sense that you're standing on the edge of a battlefield and to follow Jesus is to say, you know, this might cost me my life. I, I might have to give everything up, but in the name of courage and honor and sacrifice, I'm going to go ace to define the cost. It, it's kind of um, it's kind of like a war speech, and there's some really great ones. Uh, um, uh, one that I'm a I'm big fan of is uh, there's a couple in Lord of the Rings that are really great. Here, here's one that you might be familiar with. It says, uh, "Fight and you may die." Run and you'll live at least a while and dying in your beds many years from now. Now, this is not from Lord of the Rings, by the way. Uh, but dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom? It's like this battle cry, right? Well, sometimes when we read this prayer, it can be that. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside by thee, exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. And maybe that's how you hear it. You, you hear it as, as, a, as a battle car ready to enter this new year, willing to give whatever it takes to bring God's kingdom here to earth, to stand up, give it your all, no matter the cost. And you're not going to leave anything on the table. That, that's one way to hear this prayer and to reflect on it. It's, it's something that I've connected with, uh, but it's not the only way. There's another way. Uh, you can respond to it as a battle cry. It can also be a prayer that brings conviction. I'm reminded of a guy who comes to Jesus and asks him how he could inherit eternal life. And Jesus says, you know, you gotta keep the commandments. And he's like, yeah, 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 I've done that. I've, I've taken care of that, which is, I mean, a little more, more bold than I'm, I'm willing to be. But Jesus looked at him and said, one thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Mark 10, verses 21 to 22. 
you know, there's two emotions in this story, love and sadness. God loved this man enough to point him in the direction to what would really bring him joy, what would really bring him life. But the man, he couldn't do it. He couldn't sell everything he had and give it to the poor. He couldn't, he couldn't count the cost. He, he, he couldn't pray this prayer honestly. And so he left with sadness, which is another expression of conviction. One way to experience this prayer is to reject it, sort of to say, you know, I don't want to give everything up for God's kingdom. You know, it, it, and here's the thing: there's no shame. There's no we don't know what happens to this man. It's possible that later on he 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 had time to think about it. You know, when p- people put me on the spot, I say no right away. So that might have been what's going on in his story. We we don't know where he ended up, and it's okay for our story to include moments of saying, "God, I can't do this. I, I don't want to give everything up for you." And, and that doesn't exclude us from the kingdom of God. That doesn't exclude us from God's grace. And it's way better to be honest about that and to come to terms with. Where where we're at than to pretend like that's not where we're at. So there's no shame in, um, in, in sort of wrestling with that. There's no shame in missing a chance to serve or to give. It's a very normal response. We all reject a, a calling or an opportunity at some point. In fact, all of the great leaders of Israel at one point said no to God. So this is very normal and it's okay. And if that's where you're at, then that's where you're at. You can say, you know what? I'm a little convicted, but I just, that's not where I'm at. And God will love you anyway. So first you could say, this is my battle cry. Second, you could say, ah, this is a bit of a conviction. I'm a little uncomfortable with it. I, I know I should be doing more, but I'm just not there. That's okay. The, the last one is very, the, the, the next one is very similar, but um, different. Uh, it can be a battle cry. It could be a, a source of conviction, healthy conviction to say, you know, it probably could be giving up a little bit more, but it might also be a trigger. I, I've known people who've grown up in religious environments that asked too much of them, that didn't have healthy boundaries, that didn't embrace seasons of rest or the complexity of life where sometimes you give and sometimes you have to receive and yet they expected people to give and give and give until they had nothing left. And so the idea of, uh, of surrendering all, um, it's, it's tough. And so you might hear this and you might get a little angry. You might feel a little grief. You might be triggered. It reminds me the story of Job. Job, uh, had a very difficult time in life. He experienced an immense amount of suffering, so much so that in Job chapter three, verse one, he cursed the day of his birth. He said, I wish I wasn't alive. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about a friend and I was thinking about these different ways of responding to life. And, um, I was thinking about how people responded to Job and how they would, try to point out his flaws and point out his mistakes. And and my friend had experienced so much suffering and he experienced so much hardship that he couldn't imagine the possibility of suffering more. That just felt too overwhelming. And and prayers like this, where it says, give up more, uh, be willing to suffer more, just, just like 
no, I can't do it anymore. And, and I, you see Job there as well. Like he's just like, I can't do it anymore. And so you're, you might hear this prayer and your response might be like, no, anger, lament, of the feeling of loss. Uh, and here's the, th- the point about Job's story is God doesn't explain to Job what made him suffer. But he does make one thing clear in the story. Job wasn't suffering because he had done something to deserve it. He didn't deserve it. That's very, very, very clear. It's the main point of the story. He didn't deserve the suffering he experienced, which teaches us a very important lesson. If you're suffering, it doesn't mean you are a bad person. It doesn't mean that you deserve it. And God hears your prayers and hears your cries and and can handle all of your anger. So if you hear this prayer or something similar where it invites you to surrender all and it's just like, ah, I can't do that, it's okay. Let God know. There's probably something else going on. Uh, you can go to God in your anger. So you can respond to it as a battle cry, as a, as a kind of an inspirational, like, I'm going to do this. You can take it as a source of conviction, which that I'm, I'm not quite there, but I know I should be. You can also respond to it as a trigger. Um, and you can respond to it by saying, this really makes me uncomfortable. This doesn't inspire me. This doesn't convict me. This makes me, this reminds me of stuff that I don't feel like should be in my spiritual life. Go to God in prayer about that and let that be your prayer. The last way to respond uh, besides the battle cry, a conviction, or a trigger is a sigh of relief. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. Uh, I'll, I'll read it for you here uh, out of one of the Gospels. It says um, – it's a story of a son, of course, who runs away from home and uh, spends all of his inheritance and wastes it on all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, – he eventually finds himself in great trouble. So he says, uh, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of your father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He says, he says, if I'm going to live as a slave, as a servant, as a low, I, I, I might as well do it by working for my father because he treats his servant so much better than the way I'm being treated. And, and, and there's a sense that sometimes we we try to make it on our own. That's the story here. We try to go out and, and do it all ourselves. And we find ourselves just so worn out and so tired. And we go back and say, you know what? As much as I was frustrated by having to live in the family of God or do things that God wanted me to do or live a certain way, like, man, that was way better than trying to do it on my own. And so this prayer, in a sense, can be a, a sigh of relief, a place where we stop trying and we just let go. Sometimes surrendering all, for me, this is probably one that I connect with a lot, surrendering all to God, it, it's not a, always a trigger or even a battle cry or even a conviction. It's, it's a sigh of relief where it says, oh, good, I don't have to worry about that anymore. A moment where we say, whatever you have for me, 
wherever you rank me, whatever you leave for me, whether I'm employed for you or not employed for you, it's better than me doing this on my own because my life is overwhelming on my own. And I've been sitting with this one the most. I, I love the idea that in this prayer, we're not just surrendering our rights, you know, saying, God, use me however you please, but we're surrendering our worries. You know, it's a sense of like, hey, if I belong to God, then uh, how my life ends up is God's problem. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't have to consume myself with all the worries of being successful or take, you know, like that ultimately becomes God's problem because I'm no longer my own. It's God. And so I surrender my rights, but I also surrender my worries. And it's this, this deep surrender to say, you know what, I actually live, I actually would be better off living in my, my parents' house um, in, a, in a spiritual sense. So there's four responses. One might relate to you. You can view it as a pavado cry where it says, you know what I do? I want to give more to bringing God's kingdom to earth. Um, second, it could be a source of conviction where it says, I, that's not where I'm at, but I wish I was. And I'm going to work, start working to think about that. Um, it could be a trigger and, and that's okay. It can make you angry and more. And I say, you know, I can't give any more up. Um, and that's, that's totally fine. That's an appropriate response if that's where you're at. Or it can be a sigh of relief and, uh, thank, uh, you can thank God that you don't have to worry about your life anymore because it's not yours to worry about. <laughs> You've handed it over. Uh, everyone, you know, uh, is serving someone. And so why not be God's servant? So I want to offer this prayer again. Um, and I, I want you to, to think about it. I'm going to, I'm going to read it. And if you feel so led to read it along, you can't, you can find the words in the email and the Facebook post. Um, and, uh, you can follow along that way, and uh, um, and then I'll share a little bit more. Let's pray. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt, put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee, or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. The last thing I want to say is uh, I found a prayer by a group of uh, artists that I'm a big fan of. They're called a common hymnal. They do some really great uh, songs. They did a prayer based on John Wesley's covenant prayer. So in the email and in the Facebook post, there is a link to this. Uh, there's a video you can watch. It's, it's a beautiful rendition of this prayer and the lyrics for that song are on that page as well as chord sheets. So if you want to play a little guitar, you can break that out. Um, and you can uh, play along or you can just sing along or read along with the words. Of course, they're uh, very similar words to the words we just prayed, updated a little bit and rearranged a little bit. But I encourage you to click on that link, listen to that song, spend some time together, alone, with your family, with your friends, or just with each other, reflecting on what it means to hand our life over to God. Um, and uh, whatever that means for you in this season and in this moment of your life. And with that, we'll enter into 2024, knowing that wherever we're at, however we feel, whatever we're wrestling with, that God is with us, that God is not mad at us, and that God loves us deeply. 
We'll see you soon as we kick off a new series on January uh, 7th uh, called The Struggle is Real. We're going to spend a couple weeks talking about mental health. So as we enter into a new year, we're going to invite you to be a new you and really wrestle with some of the stuff that happens inside our lives. We're going to give you some great tips. We've got uh, working with a couple of therapists to get some insight into this series. Uh, there's going to be a lot of great stories sh- shared and a lot of honest stories. And I think it's going to be a wonderful time together. So I encourage you to come and join us on January 7th as we come back together for church in this new year and uh, reflect on what it means to live uh, in a healthy relationship with our hearts, minds, and spirits. And we'll see you all then.